want to ask you to turn with me tonight to the book of Acts chapter number 1. The book of Acts chapter number 1. And we're going to start reading in verse number 6. And tonight I'm going to uh, pick up and I'm going to preach here out of our sermon series on biblical foundations. It's typically our Wednesday night sermon series. Uh, however, um, we, uh, I just uh, really felt led of the Lord to go ahead and preach this tonight. We Wednesday night due to uh, the weather, the storms, we had uh, uh, postponed or canceled our Wednesday night service. And uh, so preaching uh, this tonight and uh, just uh, believe the Lord to, uh, I believe the Lord wants to challenge us, speak to us this evening. And um, we appreciate, uh, let me just, uh, let me just say, I know, I'm very much aware that canceling a service is not always a popular decision. And uh, I don't know if you really know how much it anguishes me. <laughs> Uh, to to do that, uh, I will spend you know the better part of a couple hours before service in kind of getting a feel for how things are in the area. Um, and here's the deal that I trust that you guys will know and remember: um, not everybody that attends here lives in Beaumont. We've got folks spread out all over the Golden Triangle. So what might be happening in Orange Vider or Bridge City might be very different than what's happening in Beaumont. What's happening over in Mid-County or up in Lumberton might be very different that's happening right here. And so I want, you to, I want you to understand, I don't know if there's anybody who wrestles over that decision worse than I do. I don't want you to think that I just, it's very willy-nilly for me. It's, oh, we're not having church tonight. I hate that. I hate it. I do. Uh, and like I said, I know it's not always a popular decision. Some of you, you would break out scuba, deer, uh, scuba gear or snow skis if you had to. And I appreciate that. I do. Uh, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, there's times that uh, you just, you got to make a call and try to do what you feel is the best thing to do for everybody. So uh, anyway, I want to remind you and I hope that you hear your pastor's heart in regards to that. Um, that it is, it's not just a, just a loose decision or just a, well, this is how it's going to be. And um, anyway, uh, just sharing that with you tonight. And uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate you uh, uh, understanding that and also understanding that we are making the best decision we can, even though maybe your particular area is not affected at the moment. And uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for, uh, for understanding. Amen. So Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. If you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I want you to understand tonight, 
as we've been spending time on the purpose of the Spirit in this Biblical Foundation sermon series. We've talked about the Spirit empowers. He gives us power over Satan. We preach that He gives us power over self. And tonight we're going to preach on the fact that He gives us power to serve. Amen. Power over Satan. Power over self. The Holy Ghost does. He gives us that power. And He empowers us so that we might serve. And uh, we're going to take a look at this tonight. And exactly what was Christ saying? What was He meaning in the fact He said, These things you don't worry about. Here's what I need you to worry about. Here's what I need you to do. Amen. And uh, we're going to just look at the word of the Lord tonight. Can we pray? Ask the Lord to help us one more time. Father, we thank you. We appreciate tonight your people, your presence. And Lord, I ask and pray that you would anoint, that you would help us. I ask, Lord, tonight that you would uh, uh, touch every heart, every ear. I pray, Lord, that you would give me clarity, clarity in thought and speech. Lord, we ask your anointing. I pray tonight that... We would have ears to hear and a heart to understand. Let our testimony be when we leave this place, Lord, that we are different than the way that we've come. We thank you for all these things and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Hallelujah. In this, as I made mention, we rest upon, we look to... We lean upon and need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost so that we might have power over Satan, power over self, and power to serve. When we look at this, I want you to understand in this context of Scripture, when the disciples, and I want you to understand something, is that in the life of Christ, in His earthly ministry, that when the term disciples came, sometimes there is this term alone, disciples meaning plural. And uh, then there are times the Bible will give you clarification in the fact that there was maybe a, a, a large number of people who had come around to uh, listen to Christ. I want you to understand that there were many who called themselves disciples. There were many who followed Christ. We come to find the Word of God, and I'm just setting a little bit of the stage here tonight. We come to understand the Word of God tells us that there were many people who followed Him because they wanted to be around to see what the next miracle was going to be. They wanted to be there for fishes and loaves. They wanted to be there for the ooh and the ah. They wanted to be there to see exactly what was Jesus going to do next. And we find that Christ even, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Christ had even, uh, when the miracle of fish and loaves had come to pass and he was talking to those who were following him who were quote unquote disciples of his and uh, when there was if I can say Jesus and again in paraphrasing he said there are some that you're following me for these other reasons and, uh, and, and so as a direct result of that and him challenging them about that the Bible says that many went their own way many returned back from where they came from and there were times that Jesus he also looked at his twelve 
12 that he had chosen. And he challenged them and he said, are you going to leave me also? Are you going to go away also? And it was Peter who lifted his voice and he said, Lord, where else would we go but to you? Amen. Oh, he said, what else would we do? We're here for you. And so I want you to understand, in this, the Bible says, that when they therefore were come together, I want you to know that it is not always just a conversation between Jesus and the twelve. There were many times and in many instances that there were several people that were there. Others who were following along. Others who stayed and, and, and would listen and ask these questions. And so you come to find the Bible tells us that there is this, this group of people that are there. And that they have these questions for the Lord as he is sharing with them. And we find that their motive, we find that their desire is for that of none other than political power. They wanted, because you must understand, is that throughout the history of prophecy, talking about the Messiah that would come, how the throne of David would be established forever, that he would that he would break the rule of uh, of the uh, uh, of the Roman uh, the Roman rule. They were under Roman rule at that time, but he would break the bonds of political power. They would be their own people, and so with this, they they had their eyes upon the Messiah. That was for many of them, it was for political agenda. It was for the fact the Israelites had spent hundreds of years in bondage. It was for the fact that they had that they found themselves in the time of Christ under the rule of Caesar. All of these things. And so therefore they are asking, and in a sense a challenge if you will. Well Lord, you say you're the Messiah. We see signs and wonders. We see these miracles. But here's we what, what we want to know. Is it now at this time when you're going to establish the power Israel as its own power Israel uh, as its own kingdom is now the time that this is going to take place and uh, in this uh, we find that uh, Jesus you must understand was always looking at the motive of people's hearts he was always challenging them against their humanistic thinking against their limited view on the natural side on this side of heaven and he would challenge them brother Tobin with the things of eternity he would challenge them in regards to the heart issue he would get as a matter of fact you if you remember and if you read it throughout the gospels in many times when scribes Pharisees hypocrites would come and they would challenge him they would try to put him on the spot uh, the Bible says and in so many senses just those facts that they, they were looking to trap him. They were looking to, uh, to uh, trip him up. They were looking for contradiction. They were looking for these things. And Brother Danny, the Bible says, because Jesus being Jesus being divinity and humanity, we find that the Bible said that him knowing their thoughts, he knew their thoughts, he knew the intents of their thoughts. And what does that tell us? He knew the motive behind what they were asking. 
And so therefore he would challenge them. And Sister Laura, many times uh, we find that as a direct result, when Christ would speak the truth, uh, when Christ would point to the things of, the, of God's law, or, or uh, he would challenge them and what it was that they were doing, we find the Bible says that they would be, uh, they would be pierced, convicted. He would deal with them. It would aggravate them. I want you to understand, not everybody who's convicted does it with joy. Not everybody who feels convicted says, oh, hallelujah, I'm convicted. Uh, As a matter of fact, most people finding conviction, they're terrible to be around. I'll just tell you right now. They're grumpy. They got an attitude. They're not pleasant. You don't want to go to lunch with them. You don't want to hang out with them uh, because they're just, they're miserable. They're convicted about sin. They're convicted about situation. Some folks want to look for a place to hide. Some folks, you'll know if God's been convicted, then get ready. You ain't going to see him for about a month at church till it wears off. Amen. Till they come back around for a second round and then then they disappear again. Amen. And uh, we find that they were dealt with. And some it would aggravate. As a matter of fact, some of them would be so aggravated, so mad, so put out uh, that the Bible says that some would at that moment look to kill him. They wanted to kill him right then and right there. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to find a place and push him off a cliff. All I mean, just all kinds of crazy. And Jesus, of course, knowing the time and the season as to when it would be that he would offer his life, we find Jesus, he would disappear in a crowd or, or, he, would, or he would find a way out and to where they couldn't get their hands on him. Amen. But that's for another thought. That's for another time. But we find in all of this that there was selfish motive, selfish reason. It's now the time. Are we going to have political freedom, political power? Are you going to establish us and strengthen us as a nation? And I love what Jesus says. Because they were looking, Brother Gary, for the restoration of an earthly kingdom. But Christ was always challenging them about the kingdom of a different world. About the kingdom of God. The will of God. The purpose of God. Oh, the plan of God that dealt with the kingdom of heaven. Amen. He was always trying to remind us as his people as we look in the word of God that we are citizens of that country. You might be in this country born and raised, born and bred in the United States of America. Thank God for it. You might be like Brother Udi who immigrated over to this country. I I still smile when I see pictures from Brother Udi the day that he was became a citizen of the United States of America. And there rights and privileges and all these things. Oh, there are people who are in other countries who are looking for ways for their children to be born in this country. So they are rightful citizens of this country and the benefits and blessings of this country. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what comes down the pipe. It doesn't matter how blessed we are. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if you are in the United States or if you're in a communist country or if you're 
somewhere else, I can tell you this. If you belong to the Son of God, you are a citizen of the greatest kingdom there ever was. I hate to bust your bubble, but there is not a USA flag that flies in heaven. There's not a Chinese flag that flies in heaven. There's not a Mexican flag or a, or a, or a European flag. But I'll tell you what there is. John just said this. I looked around the throne and there was every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. What did they have in common? They were not there to promote their own political power and agenda, but they were saying worthy is a lamb and the lamb is a light of the city and the lamb is worthy to be praised. And I came into this city, that celestial city, by the blood of the lamb. I've been washed. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And Christ was telling them, that's what you need to worry about. That's what you need to worry about. He said this. He said, you don't need to worry about the things on this side of heaven. He said, don't find yourself, your motives all bent and twisted in regards to the things of an earthly kingdom. He said, but rather... But what I want you to do, he said that times and seasons you don't need to know. You don't need to know about that power. He said this, because the Father has put them in his own power. Come on here. We're getting near election time. That ought to make somebody shout. Oh, you know it's thin ice you start talking about politics and you know my rule Amen. I'm not here. This pulpit is not here to be political. I said we'll be spiritual. We'll be biblical. Amen. But I'm not putting my eggs in the basket of this man or that man or any other man. Oh, because at the end of the day, I'm proud to be a citizen of America. I'm proud to live in this great land of freedom. But I will tell you this, just like the songwriter said, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels are going to welcome me through heaven's open door. And I'm not at home in this world anymore. Hallelujah. Oh, I want you to know. The Word of God said these things. Christ said these things you don't need to worry about. Don't worry about the powers that be on this side of heaven. But I love what Jesus said. Here's what I want you to worry about. Here's what you need to do. He said the Father has power over these things. He has times and seasons. He said but you shall receive power. You shall receive the power. Oh can I tell you I know that they can tell you that the president is the most powerful man in the world. They can tell you there's immunities, there's foreign diplomats and delegates. Delegates, they can come over to this country and they can have diplomatic immunity. They could come over here and commit crimes and never be prosecuted or punished. There's nothing but corruption, nothing but immorality, nothing but sin that operates. And I don't care if you're elephant 
stupid donkey or whatever it is. It's in every one of them. But I'll tell you this. I believe that we as a church, we've jumped on too many bandwagons. We got folks that are so worried about who's going to be and who's not going to be. I want to remind you tonight, this ain't your preacher, but it's the book that said you don't worry about those times and seasons. But the church, we become so wrapped up in our own agendas, in our own political affiliates, in our own wishes, in our own demands. But God said, here's what I want. I want you to receive the power. I want you to have life-changing power. I want you to have sin-chasing power, devil-defeating power, power over hell, power over addiction, power over Satan, power over sin, power over yourself. I want you to receive Holy Ghost power. Man is hungry for a power grab. Oh, lobbyists will throw money. People will support. People will promote an agenda. I've had them show up here just recently on my doorstep, handing me information. Vote for this one. And as they want me to vote for this one, they'll tell me everything bad about the other. And Jesus said this. He said, this is the power that I want you to have. Ye shall receive power. The power of the Holy Ghost. We wonder why, and it's amazing to me, the church, and I'm just going to pick on the church. And you'd say, how in the world is this what you're saying even dealing with serving? We'll get there. I'm just warming up. Amen. We, I want you to find and understand that when we look at this, he said, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, we think that our thought, our agenda, our political affiliations, that these are so important. As a matter of fact, we believe them so strictly and strongly that we think heaven rises and falls on it. There were some folks, and I'm not here, we're not splitting hairs, I'm not even going, I'm, I'm just barely stepping on this rabbit trail. But here I'm saying whether you think the election was robbed or not, Trump or not, Biden or not, whatever the case might be. I've got my own opinions, you've got your own opinions, and that's fine, we'll leave it at that. But I'm going to tell you, there were some folks you done thought Jesus lost the throne of God when your man didn't get in the office. I mean, there's folks depressed, down, it was the end of the world. And in a week, we were just all going to starve to death, the world was going to implode. And here we are, nearly four years later. Ta-da! Here we are. Has it been a great ride? No. Has it been everything we wanted? No. I mean, we take out loans, personal loans for the grocery store. Come on here. We've got snowstorms that prove that electric vehicles can't last. <laughs> Come on. Say... <laughs> Say what you want, do what you will. But on that stuff, all I can do, Sister Brenda, all I can do, I'm going to tell you something. I don't understand. There's some folks, they get notifications every time Fox News got a breaking alert. I mean, the president can stub his toenail, breaking news. 
uh, something else go on, breaking news. Every time you turn around thinking, good Lord, I'll just be depressed. I'll be down if I look at every breaking news. I don't know how. I don't know how. And if that's you, I'm sorry if this offends you. I'm just telling you. I, I, I would like to set up a Bible app to where we get breaking news, but it's from Scripture. Amen. That we're getting the good news. That we're getting things that feed the mind of the king. Does anybody hear what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to tell you tonight is what Jesus was trying to say to them. You got your mind on the wrong stuff and you're distracted. He said, and as long as you're distracted, you can't do what the kingdom wants you to do. You can't work for the kingdom. You won't hear the mind and the heart of the king. You won't hear the voice of God. I'm going to tell you tonight, it is time. It's past time. It's high time. The church would leave the places of distraction and say, God, it's not about political power. It's not about economical power. It's not about church power, denomination power. I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry defend you. I'm not looking to build the biggest church on the block. There's plenty of Christ to go around. But what I want if there's anything said about Victory Temple, I don't want it to be look at their building, look at their property, look at this and look at that. But let it be that is a place that is full of Holy Ghost power. That is a place that is doing the work of the kingdom. And for many, it will not be breaking news. I hate to tell you, everybody got giddy when old Mr. West came out on Thanksgiving box night. Mayor's here, mayor's here, mayor's here. I heard that 15 times before he ever came over to me. And that's fine. I got no problem with Mayor West. They invited me the other day to come and pray over the uh, council meeting. And I, I shook hands with him. I said hello to him. I said hello to all of them. Well, I'm just, your pastor's hobnobbing with the... <laughs> just rubbing elbows with the elite. I sat there, I probably looked like the most out of... The, you know, I'm just a hillbilly from southern Missouri sitting there waiting for my turn. How y'all doing? <laughs> Waiting for my turn. <laughs> Amen. Some of them could care less that the preacher was there to pray. Some of them just want to get down to business. Amen. I have no problem with those, but here's what I'm getting at. We are, when you are involved in the work of the kingdom, can I just tell you that it is not just big breaking news for everybody. It is not something where everybody gets all excited and pumped up about. The world won't, and I'll tell you, one of the reasons the world won't is the fact that most of the church don't even get excited about it. Can I just park and preach now for a little? I've had you shouting for a little bit now. We just want to drop her into Granny Low for a minute. We, we, I want you to understand, in the fact that Jesus said this, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. He said, power that makes a difference. Power that will change your life and power that is really going to change the world. Power that's going to change the world. He said, I want you with this power to go and be witnesses of me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. 
I want you to understand that. Jesus is saying this before there's TV cameras, before there's social media, before there's anything. And he's saying, I want you to understand. I want you to be empowered so that you go make a difference. So that you go and reach somebody. So that you go and tell somebody. I want you to understand, it is amazing to me as you go through the book of Acts. And as you go into the New Testament and you see the early church at work. They are doing this with a limited platform. As a matter of fact, the main thing that produced the powerful spread of the gospel is something that we do not want. And that item was persecution. The more tyrants tried to kill out Christians and stamp out Christianity, the hotter it burned. The more it spread. They've tried to smother it with a blanket of persecution. But many of the tyrants didn't realize they was taking that blanket. Sister Anna, if you don't mind, I'll borrow you a sweater for that. And they was trying to suffocate the fire of the gospel, the power of the Holy Ghost. But the more that they swing to, to, uh, to uh, uh, suffocate, to put out the fire, Sister Sandy, what was happening is every time they did, there'd be a spark and an ember that would fly out somewhere else. There'd be another spark, amen. Brother Darren was over at our house. Uh, a couple weekends back, we was doing some demo on, on Mamaw's apartment. And Brother Darren was head chief supervisor over the burn pile. And I mean, and did we ever have a burn pile? All of Orange County knew that there's a fire going over at our house. I'll tell you that right now. And uh, Brother Darren got nervous. He told me, he said, uh, you know, it wasn't windy like it had been. And it, everything was damp, so it was perfectly safe to burn a fire. I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Darren was perfectly safe in burning a fire but I mean that baby was blazing and he said I looked over my shoulder and he said I saw smoke in that back pasture and he said pastor I got real nervous I said oh lord I've done there's been a spark went over there and done done set that back pasture on fire he said only I looked down the way and realized you had another neighbor burning a fire he said I felt so much better after I realized that Oh, but can I tell you, every tyrant that came and tried to suffocate the church, every bit of persecution that came and tried to stamp out the church, there would be another piece, another ember, another stick, another flame that would catch a hold of a dry place. It'd catch a hold of a place that needed the power of the gospel. And another fire would pop up. I'm here to tell you, the work of the kingdom, it progressed. And it was pushed, and it did so in the face of persecution and adversity. But how in the world did the church grow? How in the world did it get to where we are today where lives are still being changed? Because there was a supernatural and there is a supernatural power that got behind the church and people that are kingdom-minded and was doing the work of the kingdom. It is not natural. It's not by human standards, it should have fizzled out. By all rights and reasons, in the strength of humanity, it should have died out. But it didn't. Why? Because there was an empowerment of another world. There was a power from heaven itself. And so I want you to understand, when we preach and we can shout about power over Satan, boy, everybody gets excited. Power over self, there was less shouting, but you were amening some. Power over self, got to get this self, got to get this flesh under control. 
But in this, he was saying, you're going to receive this power. And what did it mean when he told him, Brother Danny, to go and to preach, to go and tell them of me in these places? He said, you've got to have power to serve. You've got to have power to serve. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's so important. Because like I said, in service, first of all, it sounds glamorous. But let me tell you firsthand, it is not. It sounds glamorous. It sounds like it puts you in a place where everybody applauds, admires, and just appreciates what it is you're doing for the kingdom. But many do not. Many do not. That's why, Brother Wesley, Christ also warned them in different places in being in the kingdom of God. He said, they will revile you. They will hate you. They will disrespect you. They will talk bad about you. For many people, when they think about serving or they think about kingdom work, do you know what 95% of the people of the church think about? That platform. They think that everything in regards to ministry is this right here. So let me tell you why that's dangerous. First of all, because the man holding the microphone can't do everything. Can't do it. I can't do it. I can't be there to supervise every part and piece and place of your life. I can't be there to, to know all the ins and outs of what it is you do and you don't. You're around people. You're in places. You're in situations. You're, it, you're, your life is influencing people that I, I will never meet them. Some people you're influencing, they will never come to this church, and that's okay. But if you are a Christ, if you are Christ that they can see, if you are His voice, if you are His influence in the world, then that's perfectly fine. You have been the preacher. You have been the missionary. You have been the evangelist. And, and let me say this, and, and let me get back to this point in the fact that there are a myriad of people who think it is all the preacher's responsibility. Then, when they look at the platform, see musicians and singers, then here's the other dangerous thing. There are people, maybe you can't sing. Maybe you're like me. I would love, I would love to sit down at the piano and play like Danny St. Clergy. I mean, if I could halfway preach and halfway play, I'm, ooh man, I mean, that'd just excite me. But I can't do it. I can't. And so here's what happens. Then, if it's not just all on the preacher, then you look up here, and who is up here, you think, well, I don't sing, I don't play, I don't do this, so therefore, I can't do anything. I, there's not place for me to do, so here's what I'll do. I love you, pastor. I love this church. I love everything about it, but I'm just going to park myself right here. So there are those who are believing the lie that there is nothing for them to do because it did not happen up here. My pastor told me, he said, Jacob, preaching is 10% of what you'll do in the ministry. He said the other 90% is going to be in the lives of your people it's going to be in responsibility of the church. It's going to be decision making. It's going to be different things that you didn't even know you signed up for when you became a pastor. He said the preaching, honestly, 
is the easy part. But Brother Marvin, he said, it's just a sliver. And I have found over and over and over that to be proven true. Time and time and time again. But what happens is, so if you've got 95% of the people who think that because they don't possess a gift or talent that would have them up on the platform thinking they can't do anything, then you also are dealing with 95% of the people who think they do not need to be empowered to serve. So therefore, point number one. Some of you are getting real nervous. Said You've done preach 20 minutes and you, I, I might be... A, Exaggerating, it's probably been more like 30 minutes already, but it feels like 15, so we'll go with that. But what we, what we, what we get at here is, is here's, the, here's the issue. When we are empowered to serve, it gives us power. And I know that this sounds very similar to what I just preached a couple Wednesday nights ago. But it helps you to become selfless. Selfless. Because I want you to understand that effective ministry and effective service in the kingdom of God, to be empowered to serve, you have to be. It can't be, I kind of feel like it. It can't, it can't be like, well, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot. It can't be because, let me just tell you this, it just doesn't, it don't mix. It's like oil and water. You cannot serve if you cannot be selfless. Less of yourself. Less of your agenda. Less of what you want. Less of what you desire. Less of what it is. What was the biggest thing that we find before Christ went to the cross? Listen to me. He suffered terrible things on that tree. Don't mistake me. Don't mistake me. He suffered several things. But I'm going to tell you that if you want this pastor's opinion, I believe he really died first in Gethsemane. I believe there was physical death that happened on the cross. But the most important death was the death of flesh that happened in Gethsemane. You can't have and celebrate resurrection without there first be a dying out. He died on Calvary, yes, a physical death. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. We know that he died physically. But I believe when he sweat great drops of blood, when he prayed several times, when he was in there and would press a little bit further, he'd go and his disciples would be asleep and he'd tell them, sleep on. But he would go, Brother Corey, deeper into the garden and he'd find himself and he's sweating and he's broke out and he's bleeding and all of this it's because it was the death that had to happen it was the death that had to come before he had ever died physically when he would declare not my will but thine be done what was he doing he was making a declaration that I will be selfless that this is not about me I want you to understand the Holy Ghost will empower you because let me say this. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to talk about churches. I'm not going to talk about ministries. But you look around in our day and time. 
The culture of the ministry and the church has changed in the sense that there are more men who are more worried about building their own kingdom versus the kingdom of God. I know of for a fact of a pastor of a nationally syndicated, if you want to use the term mega church, all that kind of stuff, that if you wanted to be in his inner circle where you could have, no matter how long you attended his church, no matter how long you gave to that church, no matter how long you served in that church, if you wanted to be in his inner circle to where you could have that pastor's cell phone number, it would cost you a premium. said, well, that might be a nice little side hustle. Some of you think, some of you just now getting it. Some of you think, uh, we could do without you, Pastor. I'll just, we go on down the way. Some thinking, what is that? What would that be, $1.99 a month? I mean, what? But you, and when I said, you, you have to pay multiple thousands of dollars. It's a covenant, covenant deal to be in that inner circle, to have access to the man of God. That is somebody who is not selfless. They're self-promoting. They're self-serving. They're self-entitled. And let me just say this. We have to get past these parts of ourself. Because I will assure you that when you serve in the kingdom... Is that you will be taken advantage of. You will not always be appreciated. You will not always be in a fact. As to where as a matter of fact. Some of what you're trying to do. Even when you're trying to do it right. Somebody's going to take it wrong. Have I encouraged you yet? Hallelujah. So I mean we got folks right now. Sister Shannon you're going to pass out giving receipts. They're going to say sign me up for service. No, somebody sitting there thinking, well, I don't want to serve if that's what they're talking about. But the Holy Ghost will give you power over self to be selfless. You know that I'm human and I get frustrated. Do you know that as much as I love you, sometimes my sheep aggravate me? Did you know that sometimes I'm thinking to myself, what in the world are you doing? What in the world are you thinking? Some of you looking at me now, you're getting offended. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Don't you know you're going to cause yourself more problem? Don't you know God is not interested in you doing that? Don't you know? And so in order for me to be selfless means that sometimes Brother Jake has to zip his lip. And I'll smile at you. And I'll pray for you. And when the Lord opens the door, maybe when you're ready to talk about it, when you're ready to sit down and you might be crying or squalling across the other side of my desk, I just don't understand. That's when God says, you got the green light to say something right now. Amen. Say it. Amen. Correct them. Challenge them. Deal. Let, let me help you to deal with them. And I know it's the same thing. Even in times when I... That, you might disappoint me. I'm very much aware of the fact that I disappoint you. I'm very much aware of the fact that 
I'm not ever going to be enough to check all the boxes for you. Just like I, you can't for me. And I believe, Brother Michael Shirley, I believe I pastor the greatest church in America. That's how I feel. Oh, I know there will be others that would argue. There are others that say, well, we've got 15,000 members. That's wonderful. Good for you. Well, we ha our budget is millions of dollars. That's great for you. But I honestly feel like I pastor the best people in the world. I feel that way. I'm sincerely telling you that. But here's what I want you to understand. Is that if we are going to effectively serve, the Spirit has to help us to be selfless. And I want you to understand that every significant thing that this church has done collectively... Anything that we can do for the sake of the kingdom is going to be not because your pastor is selfless. Not just because your teachers are selfless or your singers and musicians are selfless. But because everybody in this building has reached a common denominator to say, Lord, empower me to be selfless. So that I might serve better. There are some you only will serve, you will only give, you will only pray, you will only invest as long as you know how everything's going to turn out. And I'm going to tell you, you don't always know that. You won't always know it. There are some things that only eternity can tell. There are some that you only want to be involved only if you know you're going to get a return on investment. And I can't promise you that if you give. Do you know, I think I was nearly on the verge of an ulcer. And I for sure had sleepless nights when we were dealing with that mess of a parking lot. And do you know why, Sister Brenda, you're the former pastor's wife of this church, this great church. And I know you know and understand what I'm getting ready to say. There are some things that you do that are out of your control. And there are some things that are so frustrating. But here's what my biggest problem was. As I said, these people have given for this. And this is what we have to show for. It ate me up. I was embarrassed. I was horrified. I hated it. I hated it for you. And I thought to myself, I said... What kind of return of investment? One brother, jokingly, jokingly, he said, uh, <clears throat> I want my offering back. <laughs> he said, I, I, can I get a refund? He was joking. But I, what, he, what he didn't know is how desperately I was like, I, I just kind of hope we could just send a check back to everybody. And I'll tell you why. is because... That return on investment, boy, it just, it wasn't great, was it? Now we have something we can be proud of. Now we have something that works and is great and it makes it feel better. There's other aggravations along the way, but it makes us feel better. I'm sleeping good now. I don't, I'm not on the verge of an ulcer now. But I will say this, is that be careful because you need the power of the Spirit to be selfless. And I'll tell you why. It's because it is human nature to be selfish. It's human nature 
to look out for number one. It's human nature to isolate yourself and say, well, if I don't want to get hurt. Everybody in here has a church hurt story. And isn't it funny? We, we swap stories like we're trading baseball cards. Somebody come up and say, oh, man, looky here. I, I've got a, I've got a, uh, I can't even think of his name right. I've got an Altuve rookie card. Man, this, I mean, it is nice. And everybody's, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then somebody comes along and says, well, i got a Mickey Mantle. That's how we do a church hurts. Somebody said, well, this and this was done to me. Then somebody comes up and says, but you ain't going to believe what happened to me. <laughs> I mean, you want the championship belt of being hurt in church. There's folks that want to have a, wear the crown. I mean, you can't hardly hold your head up. Because you've been hurt so much, but blessed be the Lord, I'm still here. Hallelujah. Let me just say is that we're, we're so busy. We, we, we get so caught up in those things. And as a result, to avoid being hurt, to avoid being talked about, to avoid being disappointed, we do nothing. That's not the answer. You see, that's why we've been preaching the Holy Ghost is more than speaking in tongues, more than shouting, more than, more than rejoicing, more than, I mean, we, I mean, we had a move of God here this morning. I thank God for it. The gifts of the Spirit, all those things in operation, that's what, that's what church should be. But I'm going to tell you something, is all of those things that God does, He does to work in us so that we are effective outside of the walls of this church. I'm running out of time. He will give you power to be selfless. And with that, the power to be sincere. Sincere. Be careful because sometimes in your service, you can serve out of habit, out of duty. You can serve out of, well, that's... I've just I've always done this or whatever, and what happens is, as I've seen some folks, yes, they serve, but they do not serve in sincerity. I've seen some folks who were serving as door greeters, and they should not be serving as door greeters. I mean, they eyeball you when you come in. Right? Here's your bulletin. Take a seat. We're glad you're here. We've got the best ushers, but some folks don't need to be ushers. Right? They just don't. There's some folks, they never have a smile. They're never genuine. Some folks, they've grown up and they've been in the church so long, they're like a petrified piece of wood. Let me pick on the platform. There's some folks that from the time that you were children, you were always doing something on the platform that's wonderful. But I've seen in the church that half the platform was backslid. Because they're hiding behind an instrument, hiding behind a microphone. Never pray, never personal discipleship. Nobody can tell them what to do because, bless God, they'll get mad and they'll take their instrument and go home. 
I'm so glad I ain't got that problem here. I'd like to see Brother Danny pack that grand piano up. <laughs> Go for it, Brother Danny. Come on. I've seen places, I've seen, is this all right? Can I just preach a little bit? Okay. Just making sure you're still awake. I've seen some that every other week somebody's pulling off their amplifier, taking off their guitar. In two weeks when they simmer down, they're wanting to put it back up. I had a guy try that with me in my first church. He took everything off because he thought he should get to preach. He wasn't going to preach in my pulpit. And so when, he, when I gave him a courtesy to play on the platform and when he got upset because I didn't open the door for him to preach when he thought I should he came up on a Saturday pulled everything off and when he simmered down he wanted to put it back up there and I said no sir you're not putting it back up there you're not playing that game with me I ain't here passing out pacifiers if you was man enough to get mad and take it down stay down until you get your spirit right. I want you to understand. Is that we got, we're in a place where. In, in, a, in a place of service. If we're not careful. We've lost our sincerity. We, we are having a hard time being selfless. Therefore we can't be sincere. And we've got people. They want to hold you hostage. In regards to their positions. Because if I walk away. They won't have somebody to help with the kids. If I walk away. There'll be nobody to sing. If I walk away. There'll be nobody to be an usher. If I walk away. If I quit the church. They won't get a big tithe check. I'm going to tell you, take your check, take your instrument, take your jacket, turn it in. We don't need that spirit. I thank God I'm not dealing with that spirit. But if there's anybody tempted, you have been forewarned. You need the power of the spirit to challenge your sincerity. Challenge your sincerity. Ask God to challenge your sincerity. Am I doing what I'm doing because I love you, Lord? Am I doing what I'm doing out of a place of a heart? What does that mean? It means that God will deal with the motive of your heart. He will. I, I'm not joking when I tell you I pray this. If there comes a day that I do this because it provides a check or because it provides a place to preach, I'm in the wrong business. And I had better turn my resignation in ASAP. Because it's, that's, it's, it's the eternal things of God. We don't need to fool around with it. And I want you to understand that what you do in the kingdom. That what it is that you're taking part in. There are things that there are some of you. Let me, let me ease this just a tad. Because I don't want people leaving this service not thinking, well, he just used that as a, I mean, he just let us have it tonight. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is this. There are things that people around here do that you would never know that they've done it. Amen. You would never know that they helped us out in a situation. Amen. That they done a job. That they did this. That they gave that. That they came to me and said, Pastor, we're going we gonna to cover this. Or I can do this. Whatever. And we are able to do, they did not want recognition, they did not want a pat on the back, they did it out of selflessness and sincerity. And I thank God for it. 
that is the business of the kingdom. The Bible says this, the servant of the Lord must not strive. What does that mean? If we are going to serve, we cannot approach it with a combative spirit. If the church world looks around and we say, why is there a decline in salvations? Why is there a decline in baptisms? Why is there a decline? It's because people who come and need something from God, they can hardly get to God because of all the internal fighting going on and all of the jealousy and all the competition that happens in churches all across America. Christ needs to be the central focus of all that we do. We sang, and did you notice the theme of the service this morning? Everything centered around Christ, the cross, the blood. And I'm going to tell you, if we ever lose that, we've lost it all. But that's where the Word of God, when we say the Spirit empowers you to serve, He empowers you to be selfless, and He will empower you to be sincere. Sincere. If there is something that people need today, it's people that will approach them with sincerity. What does that mean? It's like the old statement, people don't care how much you know, they just want to know how much you care. And that's all it is. Do you know that there are people who could not tell you what I preached two weeks ago? There are some that what I preached on Sunday, by the time Sunday night comes, they say, hey, that boy, this morning that was a good service. And if I were to say, what did I preach on? I don't know, but is it good? Right? And that's fine. That don't hurt my feelings. But I'm going to tell you something. Do you know I could tell you that there are people that there are very few things they probably remember me preaching. But Brother Gary, there's a lot of people that remember in sincere moments if I showed up for their family. If I was at a hospital. If I was at a funeral. If I was at their side when they was going through something hard. If I showed up to one of their kids' ball games. It's amazing. When there are things that are done sincerely, when you care about people. Remember this, Peyton. You're called to the ministry. You want to do the work of God. I'm giving the best advice. Be selfless and be sincere. You do that, you'll win a multitude of people. You'll win a multitude of people. Can I say this? I feel very challenged to say this. You want to connect with your children? You want to connect with grandchildren? You want to connect with those that maybe are on the outskirts, not in church as they should be, maybe lost? And I'm not, when I say this, I'm not saying that you haven't been this way. But pray that the Spirit helps you to continue to be or to take on a greater burden for selflessness and sincerity. When you're dealing with them. When you're dealing with them. Last but not least. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn. Whomever's going to come help us. I want you to understand. Is that the spirit will empower you. To be sound. Sound. One of the things that has been a laughing stock of the church is so-called people who have platforms or who have cre credentials for ministry, they're not sound. 
They're not sound in doctrine. They're not sound in their speech. They're not sound in their living. They're not sound as who they are as people. The only thing that they're consistent about is being inconsistent. Consistently inconsistent. Consistently in and out, up and down. Be sound. Know what you believe. Know what you believe. That's why we're preaching. That's why we spend time on things like this. It may not be glamorous. We not, may not be run, running the aisles. But I'm giving you something from the word of God that you can build upon. We've got to be sound. I've said it over and over in this sermon series. We will only be as spiritual as we are biblical. The church is in a mess because we're trying to be spiritual without being biblical. People are trying to be spiritual. They're trying to impose man-made standards. They're trying to tell people to do this and don't do that. And, and so therefore we got some people in right field, left field, and some people in no man's land. Some people so confused. Be sound in doctrine. Understand and know. Brother Eli, they'll come to challenge you, won't they? They'll come to challenge what you believe. Brother Todd, they'll come to challenge what, they, what you believe, won't they? There will be things, and if it's not people, here's what I promise you. There is a lot of things in this world that will push against your standard. That will push against what you believe. Never before have we seen a time where in several of our families in this church, this church, where a Bible-believing, Pentecostal, Spirit-filled church, amen, glory, hallelujah, but we have seen greater and greater, even in families in this church, the influence, the godliness heritage, the life that you live for God. But how many of you, you know you can testify that you have seen gross and blatant sin enter into your family unit. What I mean by that, it may not be in your house personally, but there are things that go on. In kids, grandkids, so on, so forth, cousins, nieces, nephews, whatever the case might be. You don't condone it. You don't believe in it. It wouldn't happen in your house. But I'll tell you what's happening now, Brother Gary. This is a dangerous precipice that we're on. Because now sin has gotten a hold of people that we love dearly. It causes many to compromise their standard. Of God's word. Of right and wrong. And they're no longer sound. Some that you get a grandbaby. You got a nephew, a niece. You got somebody. Maybe they're tied up in homosexuality. Maybe they're tied up in whatever. I mean it could be all kinds of things. And I have seen in today's time. People who used to know right from wrong. That because now it's attached itself to somebody they love deeply, now they will make a reason to accept it. Sir, ma'am, if that's the case, we've lost our soundness. We're not sound in doctrine. In order to serve, you don't only have to be sound in doctrine. You've got to be sound in your walk with God. Can I tell you lovingly? I cannot afford to have you be saved one week and your back slid the next. I cannot afford, as pastor, I, I'm just telling you, I can't do it. I cannot do it. 
You cannot. You cannot effectively serve. You will not be effective. You cannot have place or position. Even, no matter how badly you want it. If one week you're in and the next week you're out. It's like Elijah told him. He said, you either serve God or you serve Baal. You either you in or you're out. We used to get mad at the old timers for preaching it that way. But it's truth. You're either going to serve God or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. We live in a time as to where folks are quote unquote saved on Sunday. But by Monday they're already involved in things they know they shouldn't be. They already have let their guard down. They're already, their mind is muck. Already their emotions all over the place. Already you've, you've given in. You've, you've surrendered. That's why, Brother Jay, when I say we need the Spirit of God to empower us to serve. We need consistency. We've got to have it. Consistency. Faithfulness. Sister Brenda, the last time I read the book... It still says that when we stand before God, He is going to say, Well done, thy good and... That's what it's going to boil down to. Not well done, thy good Republican. Not well done, thy good Democrat. Not well done, thy good preacher, son, kid. Not well done, thy... Papa was a Sunday school teacher. Not well done, you attended victory to... Uh-uh. You were either faithful or you were not. I can't answer that question for you. I can see the signs. I can notice. I can get a sense. But at the end of the day, you are the one that knows whether you are faithful or you are not. And let me just earmark this, then I'm going to hush. And you can pray, pray for your pastor tonight. Some of you might be burning under the collar. I can't believe he said or he did, but I'm just, you got to love me. If you want to make heaven, you got to love me. You got to. I hate to break it to you. You got to. But I'm going I'm, to say this. I'm going to say this in the fact that when we, when we say that, please, you must understand that is more than church attendance. Faithfulness is more than just church attendance is important. Church attendance is biblical. Oh, I know there's people who want to argue that, but it's biblical. Church attendance is biblical. But there are many things, Brother Marvin, that God's word calls us to be faithful to. And so maybe you've got it down. You're here. You got your spot. I mean, your imprint is on the pew, baby. You've been there so long. I ain't got to look around. I know you're going to be there. I know you're going to be in service. But I'm asking you, are you faithful to the things that God's word requires of you? What God has required of you. Are you being faithful to it? Empowered to be selfless, empowered to be sincere, empowered to be sound. With heads bowed all over this place. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the Holy Ghost. 
Lord, I'm thankful that there's power, power to overcome, power to serve, power to be selfless, sincere, and sound. And I pray, Lord, you do your work. I've delivered the best that I can. I've delivered what I believe you placed on my heart. And Lord, now it is up to us. Now it is up to us. And I pray, we have been praying, we've been fasting, we've been seeking. And Lord, there are things that I believe God has put on the hearts of your people. But we have to understand that to serve effectively, we have to be empowered by the Spirit. And the Spirit gives us power over these areas in our life. And tonight, church, if it, if it is your desire, you just say, I want to be sincere, selfless, I want to be sound. If there's areas tonight where maybe the Holy Ghost is dealing, don't brush it off, don't push it away, but allow Him to deal. Search your heart. Allow Him to speak to you. And understand that there are a multitude of ways that you can serve. A multitude of people that need to be reached. If that's us tonight, why don't we come find ourselves a place to pray? Why don't we come find ourselves a place in this altar to say, Lord, would you challenge me tonight? Lord, would you help me tonight? Oh, Rabbi Shai, no, 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 no.